Welcome to the Blur and Blend Marketing Podcast. Hear how marketing professionals worldwide are navigating in the blur of today's challenging consumer marketplace as they blend new age strategies and partnerships that create marketing success. Here's your host for the B&B, marketing professional and global educator, Trish Rubin. Hi, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in. Blur and Blend Marketing, I call it uh, my podcast that helps you to get through this fog that we feel like we're in as marketers and cut through it uh, and navigate ourselves into great new relationships where we blend our understanding of the new world and create something new. So uh, it's the B&B. And is. Of one of my students had said, it's really Trish Talks. So now I'm so lucky I get to talk with a colleague and a friend, a longtime colleague and a friend. And we're going to talk today with Abigail Regato. So she is my guest for today's conversation, our journey through uh, hindsight, insight, and foresight. And Abigail is the founder of Art Tank. She's a brand strategist and a super marketing consultant. She's a contributor to HuffPost and Thrive. And I love her when she comes and does guest lectures for me. Uh, in person, they were, <laughs> once upon a time, in New York and in Paris. She'll tell you about her life in Paris as well. So um, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Abigail. I know you're going to give us some great insights. You've done that already for my students. Thank you, Trish, for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. So Abigail, we're going to get right to it. We're going to get on the road and you're behind the wheel. And you're going to tell us in that framework of I, uh, that I have, that hindsight, insight, and foresight framework, you're going to tell us as you're behind the wheel, the first thing we kind of do is kind of look around in our mirror. So let's see what's gone on in the in the rearview mirror for you as a marketer. When you look behind you in your rearview mirror, uh, what do you want to tell us about how you got here through uh, your interest in marketing and branding? Um, so for me, I have an interesting story. I actually didn't plan on being in marketing. Um, when I went to school, I graduated with a psychology and statistics major. And my um, my internal roadmap was to actually take a gap year or two gap years, just kind of like take a break from college just because I wanted to discover the word, world a little. Um, but since I am a little type A and I always need to be busy, I got a temp job. Um, had nothing to do with marketing at all. But all of my friends from university, we were all living in New York City. We would have our weekly dinners and they all worked in the advertising marketing industry. And I found what they did fascinating. And that's how I got interested in it. Um, I was working for a printing company and I let my boss know. I'm just like, look, I know I'm here temporarily, but if you can turn this into a marketing position, uh, I would stay longer. So he found um, ways to integrate marketing into that. But for me, it wasn't enough. So I went crazy, like looking for marketing jobs through monster.com, which I'm not even sure exists today anymore. But like <laughs> literally going everywhere, like looking for jobs, like LinkedIn wasn't a thing back then. And I found this job, a marketing, it was entry level at Lord & Taylor, which was also my mother's favorite store. Um, so I was like, okay, like, and it's crazy because, again, I did not go to school for marketing. I thought you had to have a specialized degree. I was a psych and stats, like, that was my degree, psychology, statistics. So I read the job qualifications. There were some technical programs on there that I was like, what is this? <laughs> but um, so I borrowed some of my, like, 
again, I didn't know how detailed it was in the marketing. Like, again, it was entry level, but like I took my friend's advertising textbooks and marketing just so I could like, let me get through the interview. Yeah. There were like these tech, um, like Quark Express back then, like these design programs you had to know. So I taught all of, I taught myself all those programs, how to use them before my interview because I wasn't, I thought they might actually put me on an on-spot like test on these programs. I need to know how to do it. So I went for this interview, like I landed the job, I got the job. So it was mostly in the advertising department, um, working with the creative team, as well as um, the marketing insights and media team. But um, so that was my first job in advertising. It was actually a great experience because I also got exposure to creative services, which was the department that worked with the merchant organization. And I learned the business insights. So I was with the company for almost 15 years and um and I had different progressive roles like I started as an assistant production manager um then I moved into creative services which is kind of almost it's the basically the equivalent of an account manager at an ad agency so I got to work with the merchant and learn the merchant side of the business which was great for me because it was not only fascinating because it also helped me discover that I had a love for fashion which is another thing. If you ever met me before I worked at Lord and Taylor, you probably would have thought like, <laughs> how is this woman working in a fashion advertising? <laughs> oh my gosh. Because I was just such a nerd in school, but like, I loved it. I love learning about the fashion, the business, the beauty brands and, um, in creative services. Cause I was in the corporate corporate marketing department. I also got, I worked with all the divisions. So I learned about the home business, men, and different facets of the organization. A few years later, I was promoted to director of marketing. And my last position before I left the company, and when I met Trish, I was VP of beauty, marketing, and events. And we actually did an event together, which was really great. Um, It's also important that um, even though you're at work, you're always really networking. So you just need to put your best face forward. And again, like when I work with Trish, like I really had no experience. Um, and that's because it was like, it was a beauty event, but it was also tying back to, I believe it was a military. Yeah. The military shining surface. Yeah. Military women. So, and I think that was also one of the things that made my career very successful is I never thought a job was beneath me. I always, like when I, especially entry level, like I took it as an opportunity to grow. Like there were things that other people didn't want to do. And I'm just like, oh no, like for me, they would say, oh, it's more work. I'm like, actually, no, it's not more work. Like I'm learning another skill. I'm learning another skill set. I'm making connections. So I think that's very important um, when starting out is like, don't think anything is not part of your job description and just look at it as an opportunity to grow and learn different things. Again, like part of my job was just like strictly advertising, like making sure that the ads were on staff, like they, like the information was correct that like we shot the right merchandise, but then like I learned so much. I was like, Oh, I love that. Let me work closer with the fashion office. And that gave me more experience to other parts of the company, which also made me more visible to the higher ups. So when I was looking to move within the organization, because I was in corporate marketing, but my last position was actually in the beauty division, which sits outside of marketing. Uh-huh. So I was visible to the whole organizations, which made me more mobile and easier to adapt. Yeah, I love it. In these short few minutes, what we've heard, and these are kind of things that I think about if you are a new person, 
person to marketing and you hear how the grit involved in what Abigail's told us uh, in in her uh, background and how she was able to, you know, it is a, a bit of a blur, like, where am I going? What am I going to do? And now I see it. And now I'm going to do my best to blur not not to not to be in that blur, but to blend so much and learn so much on your feet and be self-taught and and get yourself up there and uh, and just show who you are so that you can get that job. And if you're the kind of person maybe is listening and you are degreed and you've got these marketing degrees, it's great, you know. You're but you're still going to have to have that something special or something different. So I think what we're hearing is that you know, you find that and then you keep moving and don't let that go. But I love how you're, you were always learning and then always seeing, and we're going to talk about that, you know, as we go forward, where to go next and uh, to make it work for you. So um, I think you've helped us with this story about um, where Abigail came from. And I just love it. It reminds me of the devil where more product Prada. Oh my god, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> the nerd, and then all of a sudden, oh, I got to get with it, you know. So, I would have never known that about you, definitely, because yes. No, I wish I had a picture of what I look like in school and in college, and the fact that a fashion company ever hires me is. I love it. Now I didn't know that. This <laughs> proves that the point. Just you know, just blend yourself and partner and and you're going to make you make that new you. So let's say we've we've had a a good ride so far and this little jaunt down the road and you know we're at a mile marker where we can kind of say yeah we're like let's appreciate where we are and now here we are uh, in this pandemic and that's another reason why we're all in the blur. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, uh, can you tell us a bit about the the way you are managing uh yourself at in your roles, marketing, advertising. I know now you're you've got the shift in technology and mm-hmm. but where where are you? And also the fact that you are a global person, how's that affecting you uh, as a marketer in this time? So the insight that you have right now and you're gripping the wheel, um, what does it feel like? <laughs> so for me it's kind of it's I feel like it's also where we were like me or where we've started to go. Cause I think the things that brands need to focus on more or they should have been focusing for already, but they're being forced to now is authenticity and purpose because, um, and this started a few years ago where we, like, again, and I've seen the landscape of marketing change where we are talking to people, like the brands are talking to people, but ever since social media started and the different kinds of ways of connecting with people, you're not just talking to like the people are talking back to you. So if you are not authentic as a brand or a company, you're kind of getting canceled out, which is like this new, I don't know how new of a term it is, but this whole cancel culture where people are not like canceling the stores anymore. They're canceling personal brands, like see what's happening to Ellen DeGeneres right now. So with different companies, like I just feel like if you have a good, global purpose which you need to convey like I don't really think it's about putting marketing out there anymore I think it's the clarity of your brand message what you stand for what service you're providing to the consumer and how you're playing in the social space because what I've been seeing now is a lot of brands are being more reactionary some of the brands I talk to or I work with like they're kind of like everyone's I hate to say it like scared they're like am I putting the right things out like, the thing is, I don't think we should be going along with all of these, oh, my God, like, if we say the wrong thing, like, if your purpose is 
on point to who you are, then there is no problem with you saying the wrong thing. Like, I think you do need to be careful with the culture, like, especially for global brands, because each culture has a different, has different ways of perceiving things. So what might be right for the United States may not be right for like France or Africa or different markets you may be in. But um, I think it's going to grow more important. Like um, one example I love is um, Amazon. Again, they are a great brand. I use them. At the same time, I will not. And like this is um, a lot of my friends and colleagues I speak with. They're not like I am. But I think there are people like me. Like, okay, I will still support their business. But I will not buy their stuff. I could be getting rich off their stuff right now. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like. I don't think um, they treat their employees fairly, like the stuff I like. It's all this public perception. And I think there is like there are some things I don't listen to because you don't really know all sides of the story. But I think um, Jeff Bezos and like all the workers that are just kind of leaving their trucks on the street, there's enough out there that I use Walmart when I can because Walmart has that good PR out there. So I mm-hmm. think um, for marketing, it's not really about ads anymore. It's making sure your brand message is clear and it's coming across. And I don't want to call it PR, but it kind of is a little bit PR, but it's not the PR that your public relations specialist puts out. It's what you're doing in society. So, yeah, um, these are such great examples. I'm really thankful for having those even like this Ellen DeGeneres too, just even starting with that, like that you could have such a strong brand and think, you know, yeah. you've got it. And then all of a sudden know in this environment, this, that, that you're vulnerable and um, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. But I, I love your story too about the Walmart piece. And it's funny because I've actually sort of gone in that direction too. And I'm wondering why that I'm, when I, rent my car next week to go to Jersey I said I'm going to stop at a Walmart and I haven't been to a Walmart in 10 mm-hmm. years I think so yeah there's something that's going on with those brands that they're able to get like direct to consumers in their in their minds to appeal to them with their story and um and I think that that's great and I love the connections that you make um because of your ability you've you live in uh in France as well as live in the states and and I think you just have that sense of culture, of, of, of the sensitivity that is going to come out of this. And um, so this is, those are, are wonderful points for anybody who's listening. And um, I, I'm just excited with uh, using, when, we, when, when I use these uh, sessions, this would be a great piece for my students in France to listen to because their course is a cultural um uh, how uh, communicate cultural communications and, uh, mm-hmm. and how it impacts brands. So, you know, I'm going to be calling on you to do something for that class. No, definitely. And like going back to like the, the simple thing is the Ellen example. Um, when I say brands are scared because they don't want to be the brand that everyone's attacking, but it's almost, if you look at what celebrities are doing now, no one's supporting her right now or supporting her publicly because they don't want to be the next on the radar. So everybody's like living in this like fearful environment. They don't want to say the right, the wrong thing. They They're don't socially want distancing. They're, they're, digitally, socially <laughs> they're really socially distancing on social media. That's why you think true. about it. Like the content they're putting out there, which I, I, I will find it interesting to see what happens after this whole, after coronavirus. Cause even like with the whole, a lot of brands were using influencer marketing, but they've even gone quiet. 
It's like, what are you like for me too? I only follow brands and celebrities or people on Instagram that actually inspire me. Like I don't feel like sometimes when I'm seeing influencers like selling stuff, I'm like, I don't want to buy this stuff right now. Like everyone's purchase behavior has, has changed. Uh, like even though I'm still buying clothes because most of my stuff is stuck in France right now, I'm not buying like designer goods. I'm like, okay, I need basics. I ordered tank tops from Amazon the other day. Like I'm just buying stuff that I need. And I think um, consumer behavior is changing. If yes. like, if I were to tell you most of my purchase behavior would or per- spend would be in groceries yeah. and food. It's like, and like travel, like I used to oh. travel all the time. The purchase behavior point, again, thank you for touching that. It's kind of taking us into the next, the next section of our drive too, this idea of purchase behavior. I have several students who are working on their master's. Uh, in marketing and uh, so hard to work on this right now because you're you're wanting to um, <laughs> produce a master that you know shows uh, that you understand the world and then the whole idea of purchase behavior doing a master in that and anything that uh, that connects to purchase intention and behavior is out the window right now you can't you have plenty of old research from 10 15 20 years or more but look where we are now so you're, you bring us to a great point on the journey and that's just, okay, uh, what's happening and, and how far can I see this taking us? Where do I think things are going? Uh, where do you think you're going to put your effort to uh, as, a, as a marketer? So foresight. So foresight, yeah. So this is where I think we're going. I think we're going into more personalization and customization. And again, it's building off that brand message and everything you have on your site or your capabilities. Because I'm basically like, I'm not saying market or I think what we would call like a traditional or traditional market, the way marketing exists now, it's going to change for going to going to be more personalized. Um, more personalized versus a straightforward ad. And what I mean by that, and um, so right now, like, I could be talking to you. I have so many different AIs sitting in my house. I have my Google. I have my Siri. I guarantee you, once I log off, I will be targeted with a sponsored ad. So I think the way I, as a person, would like to see it going, and I think um, we also need to focus, again, like, the power of the individual, like, what we want is make like anything or any brand making it more convenient for me mm. is going to win. So I think it's going to be like less about market, like out there marketing and more about that kind of like subtle, like serve me, like, okay, this is what she's buying. So anytime I order from a site, it's going to be about that predictive behavior kind of telling what does Abigail want? What does Abigail need? So next time I go like onto Walmart or Amazon.com, maybe they'll be suggestive stuff. Like I know anytime I log into Gmail or Facebook, had I just talked to a friend, it's there in front of me. And I like, I don't know which listening device is coming right. from because I have so many, but I think it's more going to be about predicting what the consumer wants and getting that for her or him the quickest way. Because honestly, we're just going into a world of convenience. And I was just in Maine for a week and like, I see it as brands kind of adapting to make it convenient globally. So Maine is a different market. It's not like New York where like I can call Amazon prime and get water delivered. And like, well, before it used to be like 
Prime now, you could get in a few hours now, because maybe a day or two. I usually before a road trip or if I'm going somewhere, I don't want to carry everything, even though like my new way of travel is driving. Well, my friends drive because I do not have a license. (laughs) I'll usually ship stuff via Amazon to my destination. I'll do it like a day or two before I leave. And it usually gets there. But that doesn't happen in Maine. It was going to arrive in Maine today. (sighs) So I think, um, and again, I think it's still marketing, but it's getting your key value messages out there so the consumer knows that this is what you do. Like, for instance, if Walmart, and maybe they do this already, I say I shop mostly Amazon because Amazon has that prime delivery where something can get to me in two days. So Walmart, maybe they do that too, because honestly, Trish, anytime I order something from Walmart, it gets here fairly quickly, but they don't do a good job messaging it. But I think it would be a game changer for them if they're on their site. Oh, like what? Obviously, don't call it Prime. Call it whatever they want, like two-day delivery, one-day delivery. They don't like brands just need to be good about mess, like putting their value proposition. Yeah. Make it simple. I love it, that term, simple, stupid. Make it simple, stupid. I can get this to you in two days. I can get this to you in one day. But nowhere yeah. on their site it says that. Like sometimes, I think in some places, Target too. I find out a checkout. I'm like, oh, great, two-day delivery. Like, right. I think they could <laughs> because yeah. they put that as a big message. Like, this is my value proposition. Right. So I think the way it's going is, like, again, so it's about consumer behavior. I am, like, consumer desire. I am going to want things more convenient and faster. I think brands need to put their value propositions out there in a clearer way to steal market share from their competition. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, like that – whole thing about me all of a sudden becoming more aware of Walmart. You're right. If they did something more like that, then I'm in the position where I'm, they got my attention. Mm-hmm. It can move the needle um, really quickly. I love what you said too, because it always takes me back to uh, the sparks and honey concept of their element of culture it was like frictionless. It has to be frictionless. Yeah. And, and so that way, you know, it, and uh, that to me is, is now we're in that time of, of being frictionless. It, so, um, gosh, I, and it's funny, you're a really great driver. Cause you know, you're taking us all this way and you don't have a license. <laughs> I know. And yeah, imagine we, if I did have a license. Whoa, we really, uh, God knows. Maybe I can learn how to fly a space shuttle or something. <laughs> yeah. We need the rocket ship. <laughs> well, this has been a great ride. So I like to close with the question. That play is playful. And a lot of times now when I talk to people about this, uh, then I learn more about them and go, you know, you've been talking about this and that seems to be what that color is about. So if you had a color that was you, Abigail, what would it be that you could share with us? Probably won't go with what we're talking about, but um, one of my favorite colors, and I will also say this is one of like, this is a hard question because I have so many favorite colors. Like I usually... I go, like, I believe in color therapy and just going for colors that you're drawn to for the day that, like, brighten your mood. But um, if I had to pick a favorite color, it would be pink. And I know the viewers can't see, but you can see, like, and it kind of goes with your blur and blend because I'm wearing a white dress with, like, kind of pink. And the reason I like pink is because it's just, um, it can be soft. It can also be strong. Ah. And I think it's also very unassuming because, like, especially when people meet me, they're like, oh, she's a girl, like, or whatever. Like, I remember working in corporate and I'm like, oh, wait, you're a vice, like, you're a vice president or whatever. But it's just like, it's kind of like, it's, it's very, um, 
it's versatile in the color and it's also it's unexpected, especially not that I would wear a lot of pink into me. Sometimes I was, but people will be like, oh, she's super girly or whatever. But then they'd hear me speak and they're like, oh, she's actually strong. Like, or she, like, whatever. Cause I know sometimes, and it's very flexible because I also, and I do like pink because it also helps me embrace, like, because we're female. Like, I love embracing the feminine. I believe in the combination of soft and strong. And I yeah. think also that's how what marketing should be. It should be a, like a blend, a mix of the soft and the strong, which um, I love. And like pink for me, it just it just makes me smile. Like you can't see them, but I have pink roses on my table. Um, pink is also a nice accent on my favorite flower, which is the stargazer lily. And another thing with pink, it's just like, you've heard this, I'm sure, when they're like, oh, like if a man is wearing pink, oh, he's confident enough to wear pink. Yeah, so I think it's that like understated confidence. Like I'm wearing pink. I don't care what you think about me. Like I'm wearing pink. It makes me feel good. It makes me happy. And I'm still going to be me. And it's so funny because like sometimes, like I know, like I've had this experience, like going into meetings sometimes where people meet me. They're just like, oh, she's this like quiet girl, blah blah blah. And then like, or they'll be like, oh, she must be like entry level. And then I start like, then I'm like leading the meeting. So it's just like it's like, that nice element surprise in a way. Yeah, like like you're not expecting it, but then it comes out because I feel like I should be able to wear what I want to wear. And I don't Mm. like some people will be like, oh, it's such a soft color or like such a like whatever, like soft color. But I think it's also a strong color. I think. um, And I I, I think I think what you said (laughs) is this uh, unexpected power of it Mm. is really what I like hearing and, and the, the, yes, uh, to end on the idea of, you know, um, blending and Mm -hmm. how do you blend and you get the soft uh, and the strength and the idea of it being versatile and uh, which is you and uh, unexpected. And I think that's part of you as well. Uh, And that's how I feel about knowing you that you have exhibited both of those things, you know, just the softness and your heart and of your uh, giving and of your Mm -hmm. humanity and then your grit and your strength. And um, so it's a great compliment. And so um, I will, when I see pink, I'm now going to think more about you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) And uh, tell our, uh, our listeners, I'll put in the show notes uh, where best to, follow up with you if they have questions so i'm on linkedin um abigail regatta you can also contact me um through my website which is arcantnewyork.com and if you'd like to read any of the expat stuff i used to be writing or have any suggestions suggestions because um, i know some of your students are listening i do have a blog um, I call it my secret blog because only like my Parisian and um, expat friends know about it. None of my American friends know about it. <laughs> we but can it's also, get in the secret group. <laughs> but it's also like that unexpected. So it's called AmericanPig.com, but American is spelled the French way. And the reason I started that site is because you, I had so many struggles living in another country as an expat, especially somewhere where France, like where there were so many rules. So my blog was kind of about like, coming alive with the American spirit and like also like living the way I wanted to and not listening and conforming to their rules. So it turned out, it's like pretty good. I'm just like trying to reinvent it now that I am stuck stateside. I've still been, I've been trying to write, I think I published my first stateside newsletter a few weeks ago, but I'm kind of like reinventing the site. 
but if anyone goes checks it out and has any suggestions, welcome. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and that's going into, I mean, again, with the foresight of what's coming yeah. next, we're going to look for that from you. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing you again in Paris. We're both in New York, but we're going to get there. We're going to have our, our, uh, lunch together dinner together in Paris again oh, and uh, <laughs> we will get there so let's look ahead to that and uh, I want to thank you so much for being here telling your story taking us on your drive and sharing that beautiful soft and strong combination that you are with us the power of pink <laughs> thank you it was so great being here thanks for inviting me Thanks. And then I'll say goodbye to everybody from uh, myself and Abigail. And I've been using this closing tag that uh, somebody gave me along the way. And it's um, see you on the digital road. And that's where I hope to see you. I can't see you probably face to face, but uh, I'll see you on the digital road and tune in again.